be seated. I don't doubt that we'll sing at least some version of that in glory. Holy, holy, holy. A newer, more glory, glorious one. Alright, back to Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. Paul is writing to believers. In verse 1 he says, My brethren. Finally, my brethren. And I address many brethren in here this morning. Brothers and sisters. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I I was struck by how many times Paul talked about joy and rejoicing in this letter to the Philippians. Go through for yourself and just be thinking about that word and just glance through and it will jump out at you how many times. Rejoice in the Lord. And remember where he was writing from. And he tells us, brethren, finally, my final, some of my final words to you are rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him. In Him. The Lord's true disciples rejoice in Him. Rejoice in the Lord. God's people rejoice in Him. Many, if not most, rejoice in their religion or their what their, their works for the Lord. Many people do that. That's what they're taken up with. Signs and wonders, things like that. But believers rejoice in Him, His person, who He is, and what He has done, where He is now person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the person and work of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They, God's people rejoice in Him. Rejoice in the Lord. And we'll say more about this in a moment. But he says in verse 1, he writes, to, to write the same things to you. To me, indeed. Or that is, I'm not lying. Indeed. To write the same thing, to keep repeating the same thing, to tell over and over again the same things. Indeed, honestly, <laughs> indeed, to me is not grievous. It's not grievous. We've, we've looked at this very passage together since I've been here. More than any other one single passage of Scripture. I looked at some old, bunch of old notes, and there's message after message after message after message after message on. <laughs> Honestly, indeed, to preach this again is not grievous. It's not grievous at all. Do I look like I'm, uh, that this is grievous to me? That, I can't wait for this to get over. That's why I talk so long. That's why I exceed the time limit so often. It's not grievous at all. I sure don't like to hear myself talk. But for you, it's safe, he says. For you, it's safe. This is safe. There's safety here. There's, there's help here. There's, there's salvation is here. Examine. Let a man examine himself, see whether he be of the faith. All right? Paul's going to write to us and tell us three things whereby we may know if we're believers or not. Three infallible ways whereby you may know a believer. I'm interested. I'm vitally interested. We read there, well, we didn't read it all. But Paul went on to say, I'm not there yet. He said, I haven't already attained. So the things he's writing to us 
He's, he, he himself is thinking about for himself. He's examining himself. Are these three things, is this what I feel and believe and do? And so I want to examine myself here too. It's not grievous at all. <laughs> if I quit smiling in the course of this message, it got grievous. It's safe for you. Same things. He says, write the same things. If the world hears a grace preacher, a sovereign grace preacher such as myself and these other men, they'll think he's, that he's only got one thing to say. He does. <laughs> he does. He's got one thing to say. Did you hear the radio message this morning? Uh, John, they came three separate days. They kept coming to John, and he, every day he said, Behold the Lamb. Wait, you preached that yesterday, John. Yes. And I'll be singing it through eternity. The Lamb. The Lamb. Well, to write the same things, and Paul's theme theme of his writing in every epistle, as well as this one, is who God is. Holy, just, sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, merciful, gracious. What man is in the hands of this sovereign God to do with as he please at the mercy of this God, but God who is rich in mercy. And the theme of his writing is God came, God came to this earth to save some of these unworthy creatures. None of them deserved it. I didn't deserve it. He said, I was a chief of sinners, the worst of the worst, but God. This is my story, and this is the story of all believers. That God is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved them before the world began. Quickened them by His grace. Yes, it's by grace you say. That's the theme of his writing. To write the same things is indeed is not grievous at all. And for you, it's safe. You need to hear the same thing. You know, if I ever get up, if any man ever gets in this pulpit and says, I've got a new revelation, hit the door as fast as you can. Henry, lead the parade, buddy. Henry, you've been. You've two deacons there. Stand up and say, everybody out. Holler fire. Honestly. I see these places that call themselves New Vision. New Vision, such and such a church. Ooh, you don't want a new vision. You don't need a new vision. You need the old paths, wherein is the good way, and you'll find rest for yourself. So, if you hear a man stand up and say, I'm going to preach the same things you've been hearing all these years, you say, Amen. Lead the chorus, Henry. Stand. Pay him another $20. Good job, preacher. Same things. It's safe for you. It's not grievous to me. Now, he gives a warning. He starts out with a warning. What is a watchdog good for but to give a warning? Hmm? God's preachers are called watchmen through the Scriptures. His watchmen. A under-shepherd. What does a shepherd chiefly, uh, other than feed the flock? What is his other chief duty to do? There's basically two things that a faithful shepherd does. He feeds the sheep and he watches out for them. Against what? The, the world out there is not friendly to sheep. There's wolves everywhere just waiting on that shepherd to turn his back so they can pounce on them. And a, a watchdog is no good unless it warns. You want to know who my best watchdog is around my place? Annie. 
that little dog I saved from the dog pound. Oh, she jealously guards me. <laughs> she will not, if I walk outside, she won't leave my side. She literally will not leave my side. I feel like renaming her Underfoot. <laughs> and boy, she just thinks she's guarding my honor and she weighs about 30 pounds, you know. And she just gets her fur in a ruffle whenever she hears anything. I like that. Uh, but a faithful watchman now, he guards. And so Paul issues a, a warning here. Verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. He starts out using a, an analogy dogs. He said they're evil workers. And then he names them. They're the concision. Jews. That's who he... You want to turn with me? I know you've seen this before. Isaiah 56. Why does he... He calls them dogs. Why would, why would a man say such a hard thing? <laughs> because God said it first. We just say what God says, you know. You'll hear terms come out of the mouth of preachers like worms, stinking, worthless, dogs. Why? Did they, are they just mean and mad at everybody? No. That's God's Word. That's God's description. Isaiah 56 is where Paul is referring to. Isaiah 56, verse 10, His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. Who's he talking about? Watchmen. He's talking about those Jewish religious leaders who are supposed to be watchmen. They're supposed to be watching for the Christ. They're supposed to be watching, guarding against error. They're supposed to be guarding the people against them. Men like themselves. Isaiah, who was one of these faithful watchmen, he said, they're a bunch of dogs. Why? Because, look at it. Well, they, they're not very good dogs. They can't bark. They can't even bark. People, I hear these preachers and I think, they can't even preach. They're good cheerleaders. They can't half quote a verse of Scripture. Uh, sleeping. They're sleep dreamers is uh, what the word means. Lying down, loving to slumber. They're greedy dogs. Verse 11. Greedy dogs. They never have enough. Boy, doesn't that describe them. Bring a friend in. Let's pack a pew Sunday. Why don't you just... Why don't you preach to two or three faithfully? And don't worry about those that don't come. Why you always got to have more? Because we got a budget to meet. I want to get paid. <laughs> look, look at it. They, they cannot understand. The shepherds that cannot understand. I heard a man this morning, a fundamental, independent, Baptist preacher... Read from Ephesians 1, verse 4, and he didn't stop and say a word. He absolutely just passed over that. Like, you see, the word, Isaiah 29 says, the word is delivered unto him that's supposed to be learned and said, Read this. And he, I can't. I don't understand it. I know it says that, but I, I, they don't know. They really don't know. They don't. If they do, they're hiding it. They all look to their own way. Man's way. Everyone for his own game, for his name, for his church, for his denomination. You know it so, don't you? I, I'm just telling you what Isaiah the prophet said there. And, and Paul, go back to the text. Paul, uh, the faithful apostle says, beware of them. They're dogs. They're greedy dogs. And one, I didn't say this, one of the old Puritans 
You know, they've been using that, that uh, degree, Doctor of Divinity. The men have been going to religious schools to become preachers for years. That's not biblical. That's absolutely not biblical. It's contrary. You need to absolutely beware of any man who's come out of a seminary. The only one you need to listen to is the one who renounced it. Paul did. We won't see that. Maybe. Maybe. Paul did. He went to the best religious school of his day. Maybe when he said, that was a bunch of dung. I didn't learn anything. I got to unlearn everything I learned. I didn't know God. I was religious. I was pastor in a church. I was lost. Didn't know Christ. Persecuting the truth. Angry against it. But uh, now where am I? Beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. Beware, and, and, and here's what it was. One of those old writers said this is where they came up with the, the DD behind their name. Dumb dogs. I didn't say that. One of the old Puritan writers who, you know, those fellows, he said that's where they came up with that title. DD, that's what it means. Dumb dog. As if it's six, ten. Paul warns them, and warns the people. And buddy, if you're jealous over God's glory, and if you're jealous for the people seeing that glory, and if you're zealous for the truth, anything contrary to it will just fill you full of fire. If you're zealous for the protection of your people against those greedy dogs, you'll call a dog a dog. Paul named 16 names in his epistles. Name people by name. He said, you watch out for Hymenaeus. Alexander the coppersmith, he's an evil man. Have you heard us name names? And That's not without being careful. It's after plainly seeing what they are. All right, back to the text now. He calls them evil workers. Why does he call them evil workers? Would you turn with me? Matthew 5. Paul didn't coin this phrase, evil workers. The Lord Jesus Christ did. The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he used stronger terms when he was talking, when he was referring to preachers of his day, Teresa. He called them snakes. Dogs, hypocrites, to their face. Didn't they? John, uh, Matthew chapter uh, seven. Excuse me, Matthew chapter seven. Our Lord here says that most of these religious leaders are evil workers. Many of them, anyway. He says in verse 21 through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day. Many. Now, if our Lord says many, that's a lot of people, isn't it? He has the stars numbered. He says many. All right, he says, many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in that name? And by name, that means preach. We preached in the name of Jesus. You know who's talking here, don't you? Jesus. And many will say. Now, this is not out and out heretics who are denouncing the Lord Jesus Christ. These are those preaching in the name of Jesus. Is that clear to you? Have we not prophesied in your name? Jesus, read on. In thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done, have we not done many wonderful works? Have we not done many works for Jesus? We've served the Lord for years. Lord, Lord, we've served you for Jesus. Everything we did, we did in the name of Jesus. Is that clear to you? Am I, am I twisting that? Look at the next verse. 
He says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. Well, aren't they his children? Doesn't he love them? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see that? But they're preaching in his name. They're prophesying in his name. They're casting out devils. They're doing many wonderful works. And he says, you're evil workers. Do you see that with me? Why? Why does he call it evil workers? Why does he call it workers of iniquity? Because let a man come in his own name. Any man who's in it really for the glory of God would not allow his name to be displayed in the way that these men do. No way. You recoil at it. Have his face put on the national publication, his face showing him in prayer, deep in prayer. They, hypocrites love that. They love to be seen standing on the street corner praying. They love that. Write books, just as I am, using the word, the name of God Himself, with their face on the front of the cover saying, I am wolf, workers of iniquity, sharing God's glory. If John the Baptist, well, John the Baptist did write a book, he didn't even use his name, let alone his face. Hey, workers of iniquity, Paul says, don't listen to them. I don't care how good they look, how good they sound. I don't care if the whole world's going after them. They're in it for their glory, and they'll damn you for listening to them. Don't listen to them. You can't use strong enough language for these fellows. Honestly. And as I said, if God's glory is at stake here, if a man is zealous for God's glory, he can't abide these fellows. That's why our Lord looked at these fellows and said, You're a bunch of hypocrites. You're in this for yourself. You're in it for your own gain and fame and fortune and name. And you're dragging these people in the ditch. Blind leaders of the blind. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Don't listen to these snakes. Don't listen to a thing they say, unless it's from God's Word, you listen to it, but they're snakes. <laughs> not, not my preachers, you can listen to them. You can tell the difference. They're not in it for their glory and their honor. They don't build monuments to themselves. They don't build works in their own names. They don't call it the such and such ministry. Equal workers. People can't use strong enough language against this stuff. Now, back in the text. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Now, who the concision? Who's the concision? It's a form of the word circumcision, right? The concision. He calls, he's talking about orthodox, law-keeping Jews. The concision. Those who looked, now listen, I'm just telling you what this saying here. I'm rightly dividing this. The concision, Jenny, were the men who lived according to the Bible, according to the law. They kept the Sabbath strictly. They tithed, they fasted twice a week. They made many long prayers. They wore long robes and long beards and all the right things. And they had Scripture verses all over them and all over everything around them. They looked good. And everybody was... They were highly esteemed among men. They were highly esteemed among everybody. All the people highly esteemed these Pharisees and these scribes and these Sadducees. Everybody asked them to a man... Are they God's men? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. The Scripture says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God Almighty. An abomination. That means God absolutely hates it, detests it, deplores it. Did you hear that? That's God's Word. They were highly esteemed. They were the concision. 
they looked right, they did right, they talked right, they were in their own right places. Paul says, beware of them. They may look good, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. He said that in another place. He said, Satan's ministers have transformed themselves into ministers of righteousness. Where everybody's afraid to say anything against them because they look so good, they sound so good. They have to be good. No, they don't. You listen to me. The Son of God came down here. They call Him a sinner. The Son of God who... No sin in Him. No possibility of sin. Separate from sinners. They said He's a sinner. Who said that? These fellows. And they call all of His prophets, His apostles, they're a bunch of sinners. Now, they didn't go to school. Look at them. Look how they're dressed. They look like men. Look what they're doing. They're eating and drinking. You have to, don't you? And look who they're associating with. Look who they're really showing with. A bunch of sinners. We don't do that. He said, you beware of the concision. Do you hear the words of God, the words of Paul, which is truly the word of God? Beware of them. People, he said that. Now listen to the next thing he said. We are the circumcision. Paul, so you think you're right and everybody else is wrong, huh? We are, John, you remember John said, we are of God. The whole world lies in it. They're not of God. They're of the world. They that hear them are of the world. We're not of the world. We're of God. Now, you know Paul wasn't bragging about himself or any of the apostles. He's just stating the fact. We're the circumcision. You remember in Romans chapter 2 where Paul said, now this is circumcision. What's this all about? Concision, circumcision. Why, why does he bring this up? Beware of the circumcision. The circumcision. Why does he say that? Because God gave a mark in the flesh called circumcision to the Jews of old, which distinguished them from his people. All right? Who saw that mark? Nobody. But God. Huh? Nobody saw that but God. It was, it was though it was a mark in the flesh, it was still hidden, right? Hidden from view. Men couldn't run around and, and flaunt that. Uh, please, I'm not getting uh, lewd here at all. I'm just uh, telling you the truth. It was, it was still hidden. It wasn't something... That you could look at an average crowd and say, well, there's one Jew, there's a Jew, there's a Jew. No, no way. It's hidden from good. Who knew? Who knew? God knew. And Paul in Romans 2 said, now, be circumcised. The mark of God is not outward. It's not in dress. It's not the way you dress. It's not the way you talk. It's not the way you, what you eat, what you don't eat, what you don't drink. That's not it at all. Son of... Uh, that John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking, and they say, well, he's, he's, he's got a devil. <laughs> the Son of Man, the Son of God, came eating and drinking, and they say, well, he's a glutton and a wine bibber. But you can't tell. This circumcision, Paul talked about many times in the book of Galatians and the book of Romans. He said, this is the mark of God. It is a work of God, not with the hands. It's not a cutting away of actual flesh. It's a work on the heart. It's something God does on the heart of His people. Removes the flesh. 
they have no confidence in the flesh. That's my third point. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself here. The flesh, they don't look at things like the world does. They don't look at things. Spirit. He gives them a spiritual understanding. Spiritual, not a flesh. Fleshly mind, fleshly understanding. You understand where I'm coming from? It's the work of God. Who can see it? Well, they don't look any different than, than the people of the world. Well, how are you going to know? I've heard people say that. The reason I pray in restaurants and all that, and the reason I have this on my bumper so everybody knows I'm a Christian. Does that prove you're a Christian? In no way. In no way it proves you're idolatrous is what it proves. God plainly says, don't make any graven image. Does that mean does that mean anything? Certainly it does. Circumcision, you see, do you understand? Do you understand? Does everyone in here understand that this is not an outward thing that everybody can see and say, "Hey, there's a, here's a Christian." I, I heard a preacher supposed to. I heard him with my own ears. This woman comes up and she's dressed in a long dress and she looks no makeup and all that, and he says, "You're a Christian, aren't you?" He said, yeah, how'd you know? He said, you dress like that. That man's an ignoramus. There's nobody dresses more uh, reservedly than a Muslim. Are they Christians? Not at all. Not at all. David went running around one day with a loincloth on. <laughs> he did. Didn't he, John? He was dancing before the ark one day with a little ephod on. And his wife, who was a real religious woman, you know, said, well, you, you sure did show yourself today. He said, I'll just be more vile, woman. <laughs> I wish I could tell a story. Brother Jack Shanks. <laughs> Ask me in private sometime. <laughs> wasn't Jack Shank, it was R.J. Cooks. His wife hated the gospel and hated him. And one day, uh, yeah, ask me in private. <laughs> All right. It's not an outward sign. Do you see that? It's not something outward. You can't tell outwardly. It's inward. Look at the next verse now. i got to get to that. We are the circumcision. Verse 3. Here's how you know them. Three marks. They worship God in spirit. They rejoice in Christ Jesus. And they have no confidence in the flesh. They worship God in spirit. Now, it's not a capital S, is it? Oh, we're of God. We have the Holy Spirit on Him. Look at it. We're talking like blooming idiots. We're rolling on the floor. We're of God. You see that? We have the Spirit. He doesn't say, the Spirit. Although, All who worship in the Spirit do so by the help of the Holy Spirit. But it's not like they say. This in the Spirit, and the Word is the inner man. That's what the Spirit means, the breath. The word, same word for Holy Spirit and this Spirit is similar in the breath. Breath. Now, Try not to breathe right now. Okay. In five minutes. Don't. You can't do it, can you? Why? You're alive. What keeps you alive? Breathing. They that worship God, worship Him, they just worship Him. It's their makeup. It's their inner being. They can't anymore uh, live physically without breathing, and they can't they can't live spiritually without worshiping. 
You understand? It's not an isolated thing. It's not in a place. It's not with a thing. This thing of worship doesn't involve things. I was going to have you turn to John 4, where our Lord was dealing with that woman at the well. Remember? And she said, well, you're a Jew. I'm I'm not. I'm a Samaritan, uh, I think. Well, she said, you're a Jew, and I'm not. And your fathers say, Jerusalem. That's where you've got to be in the temple. Ours in this mountain over here. Well, we're Presbyterian, and you're Methodist, and we're Episcopalian, and we worship here, and we holy water. You don't use holy water. We sprinkle, but you dunk, and we... You will use wine, you use grape juice. and Our Lord said to her, Woman, you don't know what you worship. He did. He said that to her. Woman, you know not what you worship. He said, Salvation is of the Jew. (laughs) And I don't have time to go into that. But he went on to say in John 4, he said, Now true worshipers, Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He said the time is coming, and now is, when two true worshipers worship the Father in spirit. They don't need a place, although they do come to a place. But that's not what they worship. They don't worship the place. They worship, this is wood, hay, and stone. There's nothing sanctimonious about this building. You know why we have this building? Keep the rain off our heads. That's it. Honestly, there's nothing sanctimonious about this. This is really not, in effect, not the sanctuary. Oh, no. There's nothing holy about that thing. That's just a bathtub. Honestly, I'm not being... I'm not being blasphemous here at all, am I? This wood, hay, and stubble. These are things. We don't don't use props. Believers don't need props. They don't need a place. They don't need props. They don't need symbols. True worshipers worship God from the heart. And our Lord said, in spirit, and you can't have one without this, without the other. Truth. See, when you know the truth, you don't need props. What is truth? Christ is truth. You don't need props. Why do we need holy water? John, why do we need holy water? We got Christ the water of life. Huh? Why do we need an altar down here? It's just it just make your knees sore if you've been. If you stay kneeling at it, we got some folks who can't kneel down for five minutes. But we've got an altar. Hebrews says it's in the heavens. It's Christ Himself. It's a person. We don't need props. We worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Word of God. Worship, listen, worship is not a highly, highly charged emotional religious pep rally. That's not worship. Worship is not a feel-good, tear-jerking while the choir sings and the organ or the piano softly plays. We'll have a good time. Now, don't disturb the spirit now. We're getting, we're, we're really starting to worship now. Hurry on that. That's flesh. Spirit doesn't need flesh to worship. Spirit doesn't need a piano. You husbands and wives, when you're in the privacy of one another and you love one another and you're enjoying one another, do you say, well, wait a minute, the choir sings slowly and softly. I'm going to tell you I love you. I want this wonderful feeling. Do we play soft music whenever we want something to have effect? That's ridiculous. Somebody said the less you have on the inside, the more you have to have on the outside. Somebody said, a hollow bucket makes the loudest sound. Try it sometime. Fill up a bucket full of water and hit it. And an empty pail, clang, 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 makes all the noise. Those are filled with a spirit now. It's a spirit of quietness. 
take a lot, a lot to get them excited. I tell you what will get them excited. I tell you where they will find their joy in rejoicing. Look at the next thing. They're rejoicing in Christ Jesus. They won't rejoice because the choir sounded good. They'll say, there's a bunch of good singers. Oh, she can play, she can tickle them ivories. But it didn't do my heart any good. Can't touch my heart with ivories. There's only one thing that can touch the heart. Only one thing can speak peace to the heart. Only one thing that can speak joy to the heart. That's right. As it speaks of Christ. Person and work of Christ. They rejoice in Christ Jesus. Remember he said rejoice in the Lord. You know what gets God's people rejoicing and excited? Is to hear a message of their sovereign God. Let a man stand up and begin to declare God to all his character, his attributes, and his glory, his honor, and his people smile. And they get the rejoicing. But they don't jump a pew and they don't do cartwheels and hang on the chandelier. That's not proper. That's madness. That's flesh. That's emotion. They don't. But on the inside, they're bubbling over. They don't need the choir. They want, as a matter of fact, they want the choir shut up. We want to hear this. What he's saying? Stop the organ, please. They, don't, they rejoice in a person. It's a person that they rejoice in. His person and his work. What about the person and work of Christ? What is it that gives them the greatest? Joy and rejoicing in Christ Jesus. They rejoice in Christ Jesus. You know that? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Not just Jesus. Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? Christ Jesus. They're rejoicing in the substitute, the Lamb, the Redeemer, the atonement for sin, the blood sacrifice, the Lord their righteousness, the Christ, not just a man named Jesus, not just a miracle worker, not just the one who got rid of their arthritis, the one who got rid of their sin. <laughs> it, to write the same thing is not grievous to me. Every other sinner, the thing that causes him joy and rejoicing is he's got a substitute. He's got a blood sacrifice at the right hand of God right now. He's got a sovereign Lord reigning and ruling. He's in His hands. He doesn't need the choir. He doesn't need anybody but to hear of Him. Huh? If I was a little bit charismatic, I'd say, somebody say amen. <laughs> I'll do it for you. Amen. Huh? They rejoice in a person. Not a place, not a thing, not a feeling. Drugs can give you feeling. And that's what religion, a lot of it is. It's a drug. Another spirit. Yet he is giving people good feelings and they don't have a clue about Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? They couldn't tell you a thing about it, why he came. The covenant and so forth. They worship Christ Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. Can't emphasize that enough. Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. They worship. The next thing is, the last mark is, they have no confidence in the flesh. They have no confidence in the flesh. That means feelings. Oh, I worship last Sunday. Because I had such a good feeling. Mm. Uh, people, honestly, a lot of things give me good feelings. Music. I was telling uh, one of uh, somebody, I forget who I was talking to, how, how music can be such a wonderful yet a dangerous thing. It really can. I know what I'm talking about. I've been involved and been around, been consumed with music since I was a boy. There was a group of fellows came over from England that absolutely uh, just 
captivated the youth of this. It turned it inside out. You don't tell me that there's no power in music. It'll make you feel good. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Everyone in here has got a pretty slick car and a radio. Come on now. You turn that radio on, your favorite cruising song, and you... How do you feel about yourself about that time? Come on now. Come on now, unless you're a self-righteous hypocrite. I'm one bad dude now. Look at me. Music gives you a good feeling. That's a bad feeling to have. Pride. It can give you, you can run the gamut of emotions with music. It can be a wonderful thing. It can make you think of truths. You know, when you hear the piano playing as a prelude, the offertory, come thou found, you'd be thinking of the message and rejoicing in the message, but don't catch yourself rejoicing in the music. Don't put in confidence in a feeling. Oh, I felt good the other day. I, oh, I prayed through the other night, and I just know I'm saved. Why? Because I felt good. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't put any confidence in feeling. Don't put any confidence in, in the flesh. Anything to do with the flesh. Anything you are, anything you have done, anything you quit doing, anything you don't do. Anywhere you don't go, anything to do with the flesh, anything you have never done, don't do it. Works of the flesh. Don't put any confidence in that. The Lord will try you. If you're a child of God and you put confidence in anything to do with yourself and pride in that, He'll try you. He'll make you fall and realize, I'll do anything. No confidence in the flesh. And Paul went on especially to talk about religion, didn't he? Religion, that's what the rest of that chapter is about. Paul said, you, you want to have some confidence in the flesh? I've got more. If that's what we're going to brag on, he said, my mama and my daddy were Hebrews. I was brought up in the church. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews is touching the law. I blameless. Strictly kept the Sabbath, wore my clothes right. Liquor never touched my lips. Righteous. He said, I was lost. He said, All that I thought would, would gain me favor with God, all I thought God looked on with pleasure, he said, it almost damned my soul. He says, now I have no confidence in the flesh. Not in this flesh. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing, he said. But here's all my confidence. In Christ Jesus the Lord. All my hope, all my hope of salvation is not my works for Jesus. It's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for me. How about you? Huh? Worship in the Spirit. Don't need props. Don't need robes, candles, choirs, soft music, statues, and all that. Worship from the heart. You have to. You have to. If this building burned down, we'd have to worship. You worship every day. God's people worship every day. They worship daily. They come, wake up in the morning. Like breathing. They will think about God. They will worship Him and thank Him. Praise Him. They rejoice in Christ. It's not in themselves. It's not in the preacher or their denomination. They rejoice in Christ. He is their joy and rejoicing. And they have no confidence in feelings, places, people, things, works, anything. All their confidence is based on the Word. Based on the Word. Based on Christ. Is that you? Oh, this wasn't grievous to me. I... I, that's the way I feel. I feel that. You, uh, Mary, I do. That's me. <laughs> well, then maybe I'm the circumcision. Ah, boy. All right, let's stand and sing a, a hymn, number 186. 186. The church is one foundation. I like this hymn. 
is Jesus Christ, her Lord, elects from every nation. Sweet communion, happy and holy. Let's, let's stand as we sing this. 186. Second is the last. He left from every name.